Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everybody. This is Helen Johannesson, the owner of Helen's Wines, a little gem box wine shop in Los Angeles inside of a restaurant called John and Vinny's. We have two locations, one on Fairfax, one in Brentwood. And this is my podcast, Wine Face, where we strive to break down the ins and the outs of wine, the 101s, the 411s into easy, digestible, snackable little bites. Maybe you love food and wine and you want to know more. Maybe you just want to look good for your friends. Either way, I don't know. I'm here for you. You can find me in person at Helen's Wines or you can find me online at Helen's Wines on Instagram or helenswines.com on the World Wide Web. (laughs) And today we are taking a dive a shallow dive, because it's more of an intro overview. I like these, though. I think it's really helpful for people who don't know much about wine, which is sort of the impetus of this whole entire podcast was for those people, for me to not freak out that like some crazy sommeliers are listening to this. If they are, hi, awesome. But that it's for, you know, Marjorie in Missouri wants to know more about today is Bordeaux. Bordeaux, French wine, area called Bordeaux in the southwestern region of France. Probably one, maybe the most famous, you know, for most people, touchstone regions of France. Everyone's like, I like a Bordeaux. A lot of times people associate it with prestige or fuller bodied reds, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, which are the lion's share of most Bordeaux. However, there can be other varietals. Don't trip. Don't sleep on those other varietals. Bordeaux is an interesting place. When I started working in Los Angeles, I worked at a restaurant called Craft, which is in Century City here. And I worked there for about a year and a half. And I was a manager there. And I would just like insert myself into the wine program so I could taste as much as possible. And most of what I was trying and learning about was Bordeaux. I just, you know, I I was like, whoa, I don't know how many more 1982 Bordeaux, great vintage, by the way, my birth year, how many more I can open for the then mayor and a real estate tycoon who is not our president, but another one <laughs> who will remain nameless. But I sort of at first was like excited by Bordeaux. And then I think I had a backlash 
when I started really tasting Burgundy and all different sorts of wine that I thought were a little more complex. (laughs) And then I sort of thought Bordeaux was boring. But now, you know what? I'm back on the Bordeaux train. I think there's a time and the place and there's some really amazing Bordeaux producers that we're supporting in the Helens program that I will link to in the show notes if you want more information. But today, let's talk about Bordeaux. You know, it's all about that left bank, right bank. Literally, there's a river and it's left bank, right bank vibes. Everything kind of breaks down on those levels then, now. But before all of that, there's some serious old school vibes up in there. The history of Bordeaux spans back to Roman times. People loved the wine, and then the fall of the Roman Empire had this insane economic effect in that area. So they felt it. That's how much wine the Romans were getting down with. Um, Fast forward a little bit, Middle Ages. People were working hard to keep up the good reputation of the Bordeaux market within the English market, which was a big consumer of Bordeaux wine. It was during this time, Middle Ages vibes, that Graves, which is an area in Bordeaux, was it was the main area. So that that area was given its designation, Graves, and it was actually most of the Bordeaux area, which right now it's only a fraction of it, because most of current day Bordeaux was technically marshland, which is kind of crazy. It's also crazy when you think about Manhattan, like below a certain point downtown is actually a landfill. And um, yeah, that's a whole other podcast, I think, which I'm not doing. In the 17th century, Dutch peeps started draining the marshland of what is now Medoc, which probably for a lot of people is the most famous area that they know, primarily because of the growth designation, which we will get to in a moment. So draining the marshland, and they really encouraged planting more vines. Kind of around this time, prize Bordeaux started being a thing. It started being like coveted bottles, and it was during the War of Spanish Succession, and there was also tension between France and England because the English Channel was really dicey and you couldn't just cross it. Um, So trade for a little bit halted. And then suddenly, a bunch of what people assumed to be seized bottles of Bordeaux appeared on the English auction market And this was started the first of many trends of Bordeaux's relationship with auctions. And maybe this could be hashtag controversial, what I'm about to say. Maybe slightly inflated pricing. But you know what? I'm going to leave that as as a subjective observation. But with the expansion of all the vineyards into the now drained marshland, where Madoc is, the areas of Bordeaux were first divided under at this time in the 17th century under the Vinoble de Bordeaux, which was a collection of different districts. And it was basically, the districts were based on chateaus where, and and when you're talking about a chateau in Bordeaux, it means like one family owned it, the house is there, the vineyards surround the house. So the wine is all grown on the property where the family lives for the most part back in the day. And so the designation for this early, early designation was mostly about these really well-regarded Bordeaux producers. And so there was this dude, his name was Nicolas Alexandre. He was the Marquis de Segur, and he rose to prominence as the Prince of Vines, Prince of Vines, due to his ownership, might be a good Halloween costume, Prince of Vines, due to his ownership of some of Bordeaux's most prestigious estates. And another guy named Pierre de Razan, 
Uh, they laid the foundation for Chateau Razon Segla, Chateau Razon Gassi, Chateau Pichon Longeville Baron, and Chateau Pichon Longeville Comtesse de la Lande. So these are some very, very, very well known Bordeaux chateaux. Um, but then there is the famous 1855 classification system. And essentially, it was set up to rank the top chateaus of Medoc according to their market price, which is kind of crazy. The historic 1855 Bordeaux classification stands, I think, is in the area one of the single most important and famous classifications of any region in the world. And what's insane is many years later, what are we, like almost 175 years later? I didn't do the actual math. This historic document continues to stand the test of time, and there's been basically no changes. In fact, since 1855, the official classification of Bordeaux wines from Madoc has only allowed two modifications. Now, the growth plus classification, I'm going to get into it. it. It was developed so long ago, but dictates the price. It, dis, it dictates the value based on a couple things. So let me give you a little back in the day, 1855. The first estates that got attention for their specific wines was Lafitte, Latour, Margot, and Aubryon. These are some of the most famous Bordeaux houses. They were the first chateau to like earn, you know, a notorious reputation in a positive way. And due to their initial fame, uh, they were soon listed as the finest and most expensive wines of Bordeaux. The next step, though, was to develop classification as well as consumer preferences when it came to which wines and how they were being sold based on their appellation or where they were from. So people were searching for quality. They started selling wines from different areas like Pauillac, Margot, Saint-Julien, Saint-Estef, and Graves, Right. So in total, in 1855, 61 Bordeaux Chateaux were included in the 1855 Bordeaux classification for producers of red wine. And this breaks down into what's important. It is known as the growths. So it breaks down into five, five basic things, right? So there's five first growth houses, 14 second growths, 14 third gross and 10 fourth gross and 18 fifth gross. I guess you guys are probably like, what the fuck is a growth? But I'm going to tell you, here's how they rank, right? A first growth Bordeaux, the prices over 3000 French francs per barrel. So they were basing all of these growth classifications on how much in 1855 the wine was selling for which is crazy. So of those 61 Bordeaux Chateau, there were five houses, five chateaux that were selling for over 3,000 francs per barrel. Those are all first growth and those are all still first growth. Second growth, Bordeaux were priced between 2,500 and 2,700 French francs per barrel. Third growth, and it goes on and gone down to fifth growth is 1,400 to 1,600. Obviously, this law was set. And so no one's using those metrics. Like how much is a barrel selling? Cause you definitely cannot buy French francs don't even exist. Let's just start there. It's, it's the EU, it's the Euro, but this was how it was set and it has stayed the same. These laws stick. Okay. Y'all we're just going to take a quick break to hear from one of my awesome sponsors. Listen, it happens. 
people get hung over, you know, hashtag no judgment doesn't mean anything. Like you drink one more glass of wine than you thought, you wake up, you feel a little groggy, you know, doesn't mean you shouldn't go and have your girls night. There's this new vitamin based product that I got to tell you about. It's called DHM Detox. And I guess you could call it your go-to drinking buddy, but I never like to encourage drinking. All I'd like to say is I like to encourage healthiness. Most people really don't know that hangovers are caused by a byproduct of alcohol. DHM Detox uses science to break down that poison while you're drinking so it doesn't build up in your system and so you don't feel awful the next day. You don't have brain fog, no nausea, no headaches. You have no next day anxiety. You just take two capsules after your first couple drinks and it works right away, breaking down those toxins and providing liver support. And there's like a bunch of dope ass products in there like milk thistle, prickly pear, NAC, B-complex, there's electrolytes. The ingredients are DHM. And what DHM is, is a natural extract used in Asia for centuries now to prevent hangovers. And it comes from the Japanese raisin tree, also known as the tree of gods for all of its great properties. So like DHM is dope and probably really good for you anyway, whether you're drinking or not. Come in little convenient packets. They're easy to take with you anywhere. You can take them with you in your pocket or your purse. You know, it's like you are going to be the person in the know. It can be part of your routine. If you have girls night every Friday, you know what? You know, you're going to let loose, have a couple glasses of wine, take some DHM detox, and you're going to feel great. Ask yourself this. Is your next day worth it? It is, because for just a couple of dollars, you can wake up and feel pretty much normal. It's a risk-free purchase also. I'm super into that these days. If you don't like it or you don't feel better, then you get your money back. So it's a no-brainer. So to get 20% off of your order, all you have to do is head over to dhmdetox.com, aka treeofgods.com, so dhm detox.com and use the promo code WINEFACE, all one word, all caps at checkout. The website again is dhmdetox.com and it's free shipping if you buy more than a couple boxes. Boom. Thanks for listening. And now back to the wild world of Bordeaux. So to help you understand what the term growths mean, uh, you got to think of it like this. The best wines of Bordeaux were placed in ranking categories, and each of the ranking categories were called, quote unquote, growths. A wine with the ranking of first growth was considered the best wine in Bordeaux. While the rankings were in theory about quality, the selling price factored heavily into which wines were ranked into their respective categories. And of course, the most expensive wines were the first growth Bordeaux wines. It's crazy. Honestly, I mean, that's one of the things when I first learned that, that ah, it totally boggled my mind because I was like, there's so much that has changed. There's so much style and finesse and there's so much amazing wine that's being made now, but it's not part of the growth classification, the 1855. Another interesting fact you might want to know about the 1855 classification is when you look at how chateaus were organized in each growth class, the estates are not listed alphabetically. 
Instead, the chateaux were placed in order of their ranking in each category. So everything was like down to the T. And this was based on merchants and frequent consumers, which is, which is just, it's just mind-blowing. So one thing to get clear too is only one side of Bordeaux was classified and the other side was not. So why were the right bank Bordeaux not classified? So this goes back to left bank. Only left bank Bordeaux are part of the quote-unquote growth system. So way back in the day, 1855, there were wines like Petrus, which is bomb, Cheval Blanc, which is also bomb, and other famous wines from Pomerol and Saint-Emilion, which are little areas, well, they're not little, but there are areas on the right bank of Bordeaux, which they were either not yet making wine yet in 1855, or they were still considered basic wines. So the difficulty to get those wines to the Bordeaux merchants also added to the reason they were not included in the classification. So they were either not making that much, didn't have the money to get the wines into the running, and shipping-related issues of the time has a lot to do with why those wines became popular in Belgium and other countries long before the Bordeaux wine market in London. It's crazy, but right now, in an ironic sense, some of the top-ranked right bank Petrus, it sells sometimes for more money than first-growth Bordeaux. But here's the thing. This is what sucks. Fucking Bordeaux is all about money. And that's why I always... This is why we're doing this podcast, because I think it's really important for people to understand the history of what Bordeaux is. Let's just talk about changes to the classification system, right? Because let's say that they let some of the right bank Bordeaux producers or areas, well, it would have to be specific chateaus. Let's say Petrus was allowed into the classification system. That would disrupt the entire market and future selling on Bordeaux. It would be crazy. So in an interesting note, uh, the classification has remained a reasonable and reliable document since its inception, but there have been three changes. The first time it was altered, it was shortly after it was created. It was less than 12 months after it was like birthed into this life. And in 1856, Chateau Cantemarle was deemed a fifth growth due to the fact that it was left off by accident. So politics as usual. The next change happened uh, with one of the original third growth estates, Margot, Chateau du Bignon, which became part of Chateau Malascot Saint, oh, I'm going to fuck this up, Zupéry <laughs> in the 1870s. Uh, the biggest change to the classification was in 1973 when Chateau Moulin Rothschild, which is arguably one of the most famous Bordeaux people drink, was elevated to the coveted rank of first growth status. It had taken more than 160 years, but in January 2016, Bordeaux obtained a copyright under European law for the term 1855 when applied to wine. So from this point on, ever since 2016, 1855 has legal protection as the same term as like Grand Cru Classe. Anyway, Bordeaux's goddamn crazy. And here's the thing that people want. Here's the thing I chew over in my head and we talk about on our SOM teams is, is there a value in the 1855 classification today? For a lot of people, those first growth Bordeaux, especially with age or even now, they're unattainable. They are completely out of reach to most people. And why set 
on a barrel price from almost to like 175 years ago. While the first growths, they continue to occupy this rare atmosphere that remains a world apart from other wines in Bordeaux. But other wines in Bordeaux are making so much amazing wine. Let me just give you like Chateau Palmer is a third growth and it's more expensive than most of the second growth. So I don't know if it's necessarily that relevant anymore today. Let's not forget that the 1855 classification also designated sweet wine from Bordeaux in an area called Sauternes. Many people, maybe if you've done a food and wine pairing at a highly elevated restaurant, you might have encountered Sauternes, which is made from mostly semillon, and it's left on the vine so that the, the grapes rot creating this natural high sugar index called botrytis. And the wines can be insanely amazing because they're sweet, but they have this like thrilling acidity, ultimate balance. They're really, really good. But these sweet wines were also included in the 1855 classification, but with only two classes. I think, let's not talk about Sauternes. Sweet wine is a whole other podcast that we're going to have to delve into. Back in the day, after 1855, after this classification was put into place, there was some crazy shit in 1875, phylloxera, which is a sap-sucking insect that feeds off of rootstock and vines, kills all the vines in Bordeaux. Bye-bye, Bordeaux. Luckily enough, how did they survive? They grafted American rootstock from Missouri, which was, I think, the first state in the United States that actually produced wine was Missouri. Weird fact. When you graft something, it's basically like you're going to cut and paste it. So you're going to like cut the vine and paste it onto the root. It's crazy. It's like growing a new arm on someone else's body is the easiest way for me to explain it to you. All right. The current day AOC system came about in 1936, as with most of France, and it had to do with the agricultural aspects. Um, So it was less about wine, but wine laws, the AOC, 1936. So Bordeaux is on the Atlantic Ocean, sort of. It's very close to the ocean. And it breaks down into this left bank, right bank scenario. Now, the left bank is Medoc. And this is probably the most famous area. It's where all the first growths are. It has sub-appellations of Saint-Estaphe, Poyac, Saint-Julien, Haute-Medoc, Listrac, Mouly, Margot, Haute-Medoc. And I think what's crazy about it is they are definitely Cabernet Sauvignon dominant, but you can technically blend Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, Carmenier, and Malbec into any of the Modoc, which I feel like a lot of people don't realize. As you head down, so that's Medoc. It's pretty long. It's kind of long and skinny. Then you reach the city of Bordeaux. And then as you keep going south, you get the rest of the left bank, but it's not necessarily on the same prestigious level as the top left part of Bordeaux. Passac Lyonnais, Graves, Premier Côte de Bordeaux, Cadillac, Ceron, Barzac, Lupiac, and then way down at the bottom is Sauternes. This place is really interesting because you have Graves, which is very Cabernet Sauvignon dominant. You are also allowed to put Merlot, Cab Franc, Petit Verdot. Obviously, they have rules for that. But then you also have Sauternes, which is, as I said before, the area that is most famous for producing 
Semillon, sweet wines. Then you go over to where I think there's some of the most exciting wine being made and some of the best value, which is the right bank. You've got Cote de Blay, Cote de Bourg, Graves de Vey, Fonsac, Canon Fonsac, Lalande Pomerol. Pomerol, my absolute favorite, because the right bank, as most people know, is Queendom to Merlot. And Merlot from Bordeaux is just the bee's knees 30. It's the bee's knees 30. You also have Bordeaux Superior, Saint-Emilion, Saint-Georges, Côte-Franc. The list goes on. There's a lot of other sub-regions, sub-parts of Bordeaux, and it's kind of a little bit complicated, but it goes from everything from this first growth elevated status all the way down to like Côte de Bordeaux and Cru Bordeaux. You know, there's, there's all these different like table wine names for them. Anyway, as you're on the right bank, Merlot and Cab Franc are the two dominant grapes that you're really going to encounter. Cab Sauve, Malbec, Petit Verdot, they come in a close third, fourth, fifth, but for the most part, this is what you are looking for. So the way I usually think about Bordeaux is I cut it into eight sections in my brain. So there's the left bank, which is where all of the prestige exists, the first growth. There's Graves, which is on the right bank, and Passac Lyonnais, which is, that's the right bank kind of mirroring the left bank. Then there's the rest of the right bank, which is where Saint-Emilion and Pomerol is, and that's where Merlot is queen. Then there's white Bordeaux wine, which is made from Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc always. There is sweet Bordeaux wine from Sauternes and other regions like Bordeaux from Côte de Bordeaux Superior, Bordeaux Superior Blanc, and then there's just generic AOC Bordeaux. Anyway, long story short, There are some really, really cool wines coming out of Bordeaux right now. And a lot of them are coming from areas that are not as famous, maybe as the left or right bank. But even within those famous areas, especially on the right bank, near Palmerol, near Saint-Emilion, there are some really, really cool new generation winemakers who are taking over for their parents' estates, taking more risks, trying to create a new identity for Bordeaux wine. Because one of the issues with a lot of the most expensive Bordeaux is that not only do you need to be able to afford to buy it, but you also need to be able to afford to sit on it because Bordeaux ages incredibly well. I mean, you can age Bordeaux for 100 years and still drink fantastic. I think the oldest Bordeaux I've had is 1982, but I think I had one from the 50s or 60s way back in the day. Anyway, it is a wine that can stand the test of time. And so one of the challenges is how do you maintain that tradition of aging wine versus how do you also make wine that's more approachable to a younger consumer and doesn't just taste like watered down cardboard? Because for me, sometimes inexpensive Bordeaux can taste like that. Let's all find cool examples of Bordeaux together. Again, link in the show notes for my favorite Bordeaux right now. Hands down, my favorite is Chateau Le Puy. If you know me, you know I'm a Chateau Le Puy girl. More on them probably on a future Bordeaux spinoff podcast. Anyway, this was the history and 411-101 about Bordeaux. We will get more into it. Also, take a look at a map because it will all fall into place. It's literally left and right. You will see the river running through it. This is Helen. This is Wine Face, my awesome little podcast about wine and food and culture around wine and traditions. 
history, I guess, today. We're history buffing it. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. You can direct message me on my Instagram, at Helen's Wines. If you have any questions or any requests or have any episodes you want to hear, Bordeaux was a frequently asked for topic, an intro to Bordeaux. And so here we have gone. Helenswines.com if you want to see what we have in stock. And for everybody listening, we are moments away. I mean, literally any day now. By the time this airs, we probably will have gotten there. We are going to be shipping the wine club nationally. So excited. Please tune into my Instagram for the announcement or subscribe to the newsletter and you will get the hot tip there. All right, everybody. Thank you. Bye.